welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark. Powered by Booster Juice, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector back to the program. Good morning, Spec. We're talking about the big golden goal. Where were you, big fella? I was uh, not in Vancouver, actually. I was sitting in the uh, St. Albert Rugby Club watching that game. <laughs> what were you doing uh, there? That's Well, it was one of those games where you didn't want to sit at home alone and watch the darn thing. You want to get out with a bunch of people. Yeah. So the rugby club was packed oh. to the rafters. Uh, several pints in. It was a hell of a game. And uh, when I, whenever I think of that goal, I think of... Um, I think of Sid yelling, Iggy! That's what I hear. When I hear when I think of that goal, I think of Sid yelling, Iggy, yeah. and Iggy kicking that puck out. I think it went off, didn't it go off McCreary's skates? Well, Caught up in McCreary's skates, I think it was. And, yeah. Uh, we were talking about that off the hop spec, too. It was just sort of a bit of a hodgepodge in the corner, really. Broken play, bad goal, too, by Ryan Miller. He'd like to have that one back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but it was all this happenstance. You know who did a fantastic piece, and it's probably on YouTube, and if it, on this day it might be worth seeking out. Uh, Mike Farber. Okay. Michael Farber from Sports Illustrated at the time and probably TSN. Uh, he had it on an iPad, of course, the goal, and he found all the people in it, and he sat down with them. He sat down with Sid Crosby. He sat down with Iggy. He sat down, I think it was McCreary in the corner. He sat down with the American defenseman that was chasing the puck in the corner. Was it Suter? Who was it? Uh, I'd have to check again, but I, I'll, yeah. Yeah, i have to check. Uh, he sat down with Ryan Miller, and he did a lovely, lovely piece uh, on you know everybody's viewpoint, inch by inch, of how that goal got scored, and it, it was fantastic, and it really told a tale of you know, I just remember w one of the things that turned the play is it got caught up in the ref. It, it hit the ref. Mm -hmm. The puck was going one way and it hit the ref and went the other. And Iggy got to it first and Sid broke to the net. And he yelled Iggy. You know, Jerome put it on his tape and the rest is history. Yeah. I think Suter is in the corner and yeah, McCreary. And how about McCreary? He was at the game the other day. We we're just looking at him. He's sitting yeah. up against the wall. Uh, and then I think. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. I'm just looking on a small little monitor here. Uh, I think Zach Parise is on the ice in the high slot. Uh, yes. But there's yes. quite a few. Yeah, I mean, one of the – I think they have a shot of Hitch. Uh, you know what's funny? Like I was talking – we had the, this discussion a couple of weeks ago about you can't see the golden goal, and I kind of – I was misleading our listeners. Like I, I was going to say in the sense when I was in, in television, you couldn't rebroadcast the golden goal. How's that sound? So yeah. you can find it, you can see it, and, and things like that. But as far as rebroadcasting it at a um, another station, how's that sound? You cannot do that anymore. There's a certain uh, well, certain rules. And yeah, well, so so if you ever wonder why the NHL and the, doesn't see eye to eye with the International Olympic Committee, yes. that's a prime reason. Exactly. Right. They the NHL provides the players, they provide the coaches, they provide the referees, they provide the build, buildings, they they provide the entire tournament to the IOC on a platter and take all the risks of players being injured and all that stuff. And then when the goal, golden goal gets scored, nobody gets to show it. The IOC owns the goal. Yeah. And that's why you don't see that goal. You should see it on every newscast today in a hundred places, but you don't because it's IOC property. And if I'm the NHL, I tell the IOC to go stuff at, you know, where to, I, I think those guys are pirates. 
<laughs> and when people blame Gary Bettman for not being at the Olympics, uh, I would ask you as a business owner if you would do what the NHL is being asked to do in a lot of occasions. Well, I wish I would have had you on spec when I was trying to make this argument about a month ago when we were talking about this goal, and uh, that was a perfect explanation. Perfect. Uh, Oilers and Blues yeah. tonight. Uh, what do you make of this tilt the final of a five-game homestand for the Oilers? They have a chance to go 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Yeah, I think, you know, that when you play a game like they played against L.A., it's not that it was the perfect game, Kev, but it was a game they've been searching for and haven't been able to find, and they found it. You know, they really played. The, the, it, that looked like the defensive kind of game we've been seeking and talking about and looking back on. So when you do it once, boy, you sure want to do it again the next time. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to fall back. It'll be that LA game will be worthless if the Oilers go out and play loose and give up a bunch of great A's and five goals tonight. It'll be garbage. So they've got a they got a foothold and they got something to build on. So you it's really an opportunity if you turn. I feel like Kev. I feel like if the Oilers win one more in a row, they're going to win. You know, they're going to go off on this next road trip and be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they lose this one. They're back in the malaise again. So you got a tired team played in Winnipeg last night, uh, a team that just beat you out in St. Louis last week or whatever it was. This is one for the Oilers to, to grab a hold of here, right, and build on top of Yeah, you're right, Speck. It was almost two weeks ago the Oilers went into St. Louis and lost 6-3. Some felt it was the Oilers' worst second period of the season. Uh, the Blues, I think, scored mm-hmm. four goals in the second period, two of them on the power play. I still think that the Oilers' worst second period of the season was a few games earlier when Detroit was here. Had Detroit capitalized yep. on its chances, you know, that they could have potted four or five before the Oilers scored five in the third. Um, a lot of them talk about the Blues. If they falter, Pavel Buchnevich, what would you think? Uh, he's got another year left. We just had Matt Larkin on from uh, the Daily Faceoff and talking about how he is climbing up, I guess, the trade deadline and uh, the target charts. What do you think of a guy like this, even though he's got a lot of dough left on next season? Is he Could he be a fit for the Oilers? And what would they have to do to make the money work? Well, that's the tough part. What does he make? Yeah. Like five point six or something? Five eight. Yeah, one more year after this year. Five eight. Yeah. So th- here's what you like about him. He's got a year left. I like that. You want a guy with you know, if you're giving up a bunch of assets, you want a guy that's got another year coming. Uh, he can play either wing. He's a top six player. Uh, he's he's got tons of skill. He's got good size. He's he's be a perfect guy next to dry sidle. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, I've talked to someone in St. Louis only yesterday, and they said this guy would leave behind such a massive hole in the blues. He's such an important player for them. Uh, they don't, the guy I talked to said, I don't know. I have no clue why they would trade him. Yeah. You know, it, I guess the question lies with Doug Armstrong. Like that would be a trigger for a real re- rebuild mm-hmm. there. They got a guy that they really, really like. He's under contract. He's performing. He's a good player. We're going to trade him out for a bunch of tomorrow. We're going to trade him for Broberg, and we're going to trade him for a draft pick. And we're, that, to me, that screams we're calling it a day here in St. Louis, and we're going to rebuild. Doug Armstrong's never done that before. So put me on record as saying I doubt Butchnevich even moves. Yep. Good player. Love to have him. Kenny Holland should be asking about him. 
I don't think he's going to move. I, I'm in the same boat as you, Spec, because I always look at it, why would the other team want to trade him? Why do they want to make the trade? We all know why no. the other teams are interested in him, but it's the other way around. Yeah. And, and we yeah. see we see that all the time. Think, yeah. You got to put the shoes on your own team, you yeah. know? Like, why are you trading... Uh, you know, a, a player you really like. Why would you people say, you know, let's say Zach Hyman. Oh, I'm not trading Zach Hyman. He's a really good player, mm-hmm. you know. And and I'm not saying Butch Davis is Zach Hyman. He doesn't have 38 goals. But he's a he's been a big part of St. Louis. He is a big part of St. Louis. They like him. By all accounts, he likes them. His money's not out of hand. There's He's not a pending UFA. So, sure, people are asking about him, but I'll say it again. I doubt he moves. Hey, could be wrong, but I doubt he moves. Mm-hmm. Mark Spector with us on Sports 1440. Hey, you brought him up, Zach Hyman. 38 goals now. Uh, really good crack at uh, making 50 here. Uh, I mean, I, okay. it's just it's just unbelievable how he wiggles his way into all those hard spots. And scores all the greasy goals. I mean, we've seen it before. But when you when you watch him, does he? Do you go, hey, that kind of reminds me of a little bit of Smitty, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What, like, yeah. what's catching your eye here? All those guys, like yeah. the guys that you loved, you know, that always frustrated you when they're on the other team. Like everyone, obviously, Edmontonians love Smitty, yeah. and Smitty earned every goal he ever scored. You know, guys like Dino Cicerelli, right? Just. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even barely look like a hockey player, but man, he was a goal scorer and he got all the greasy stuff. Guys like, uh, you know, Thomas Holmstrom in a bit of a different way, right? Yeah. He was a puck tipper, and a, but he was a muckraker down there. Every team needs him. I think in the Oilers culture, because they've drafted so high, Kev, and because they've always had all these, you know, grade A blue chip prospects, there hasn't ever been enough of Zach Hyman's type on this roster. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot more Taylor Halls and McDavid's and dry settles, a lot less guys who, you know, go in there and take a puck in the teeth and, and muck it up and take the beating that you got to take. I mean, Craig Simpson was that yeah, guy back in the day, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, that's a very good comparable. I yeah, like, I like so, your Cicerelli comparable too, spec. Really good. Yeah. Good guys. Like yeah. every team, when you get your, pause on one of those guys you never let him go and 50 goals i mean oh my god you got a five million what's five 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 point one or something five five five, yeah yeah. five five he's gonna press for 50 goals i mean that is a that's one of the great bargain contracts in the game today and it's not going anywhere he's on a longer term deal dry saddle's a great bargain contract he's coming up pretty quick Uh, i would say to you it's time for the orders to win with this with this roster kev i don't think it's going to get much better than it is right now I agree, Spec. And you know one thing about Hyman when I, when he somehow doesn't win a battle, which are very and and this is in the offensive yep. zone, and it could be just inside the blue line or something happens, the puck gets turned over. I just he he puts his head down and blasts back as hard as he can, and we all know like his skating style. It's not the smoothest, but he gets from point A to point B in just fine time. Thank you. So yep. you know, uh, yeah, he's got another. Well, he's got four more years after this year at five and a half. He goes all the way to 20, 27, 28 spec. Right. And there's that, there was that viral tweet out there from someone in the Leafs <laughs> orbit that said it's the worst contract in the history of hockey. It might be certainly the best in the league. 
you know what? A scout once told me, uh, we were looking at a player, and he said, you got to differentiate between a guy that has a funny-looking skating stride mm-hmm. and a guy that can't skate. Because some guys, they don't look, they don't skate beautifully. They don't have a, uh, they don't, they're not graceful, but they get there. And that would be Hyman. He doesn't look like, you know, he doesn't skate like, um, you know, the, he doesn't look pretty always, yeah. but he's, he's more than fast enough. I recall a race for, uh, a race against, uh, Anderson in Calgary for an empty net goal. Uh, was it in Calgary? I mm-hmm. think last time they played, yes. he outraced little Anderson, who's a nice skater. Uh, he's shown his ability to win foot races to pucks. Hyman can skate just fine. Don't worry about Hyman. Oh skating. yeah, and when he gets there, he knows what to do. And well, the biggest thing with with Zach Hyman Tuspec is he has the ability to keep his legs moving when he engages his upper body to an opponent. Like when he when he takes right. on an opponent, right. and most guys have to. Uh, sort of brace themselves and exert all their energy from the core up because they have to stop and which makes that which makes their legs stop a lot of guys can't uh, yes. can't do both can't he, do both things yes can't do both things absolutely he, he, Kev. that's yeah. a good observation it's yeah. one of the old cliches in hockey keep your feet moving keep your feet moving and mm-hmm. it sounds stupid but he's a great example of a guy who keeps his feet moving and you know listen there's various ways to skill. We always talk about McDavid. Some guys skate really, really, really fast, but they can't handle the puck. Their, their, their hands can't keep up to their feet. McDavid's can. Zach uh, Hyman's just a different version of that. Mm-hmm. He can grind and skate at the same time. Some guys have to stand still to grind. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a good – hey – Good player, man. I, oh. I don't care what you say, how he plays, how he skates, what he does. You show me a 50-goal, you know, guy on a 50-goal pace in the National Hockey League, I'll show you a hell of a hockey player. Hey, Speck, a little different day, a little earlier morning skate. I bet the Blues don't even uh, head down to the rink almost. Maybe a couple guys will, but uh, it's going to be a little different this morning. Yeah, they got an 11 o'clock meeting, so yeah. that's just guys will come in for treatment and, uh, you know, get them out of I mean, they probably got in last night around 1 a.m. Yeah. in Winnipeg. They lost in Winnipeg. So, you know what? They're they're on the cusp. They're that wild card team. They're hungry, hungry, hungry. So watch out. They won't. They don't just roll in oh, here no. and roll over for the orders. Yeah. But um, you know, and St. Louis has been a tough opponent for Edmonton. They've they play a they give you an honest work ethic every night. They're one of those. They're not overly burdened with tons of flashy talent, but they work. And some nights, if you think you might get off with a three-quarter effort, you better hope it's not St. Louis you're playing because they don't give you many of those. Mm-hmm. And Bennington will be in goal tonight. So, Speck. Yeah, and he can steal a game from anybody. Oh, boy. Yes, he can. Uh, thanks for this, big fella. We will see you, <laughs> we'll see you down at the ring, Speck. All right, see you tonight. Okay, but that's uh, Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet. And our... Daily contributor at 8 o'clock uh, for Booster Juice. On the mark, powered, fueled, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When's the last time you had an old Booster Juice Duke? You and Connor slid down right below us? Yeah, and we took, well, it's maybe been a couple weeks because Donovan was with us as well. So I think that might have been one of his last days on the uh the morning, the morning shift. The life, uh, now, life lessons learned with now Donovan. He's, now he's all tied up from uh, noon to six, basically, with the lowdown in the Gregor show. And we got a lot of work to do with that young guy. Yeah, lots of work. He shows he shows promise. <laughs> a lot of a lot more promise in here on the job than he does out 
yeah. in the wild. It's almost like he's in a bubble in here, you know. <laughs> when we come back, Ben Pope, Chicago Sun-Times, and our Mr. Reuter headliner of the day on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter Plumbing. Draining clog pipes like three-pointers for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrreuter.ca's. We welcome in Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, good morning, Ben. Welcome to Sports 1440. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. First off, what was it like Sunday with the Chris Chelios uh, uh, jersey retirement and then the Patrick Kane overtime winner? What was it like in the building? Yeah, that was uh, certainly a memorable day. And I mean, obviously, it's been a tough season in terms of wins and losses. So uh, it was refreshing to have a game that that felt like it really meant a lot. And um, obviously, the attendance has been pretty solid all year. But that was a particularly strong crowd, over a thousand over uh, the official sellout uh, number. And um, just the the ovations for Kane and for Chelios and the the storybook way the game ended and everything is it. uh, it was it was a really you know fun memorable game and an otherwise pretty ho hum season so uh, definitely cool to to be there for that one. Yeah, just the the reaction at the end to see, you know, with Patrick Kane playing so many years there, sixteen three cups, and to see the uh, the fans get behind him, it must have been uh, just uh, the emotions were just uh, really over you know the percolating and just boiling over. Yeah, it's certainly probably the first time ever that uh, a player who's just scored the OT winner against the Blackhawks received uh, cheers and uh, support like that. Um, just, the, you know, the Hawks had quite a few chances to win that game um, earlier in overtime. Seth Jones had several by himself. And um, to then have all those saved and then Reimer uh, stop them and then it goes back the other way and uh, you're trying to figure out for a split second who it is on the breakaway and then oh yes it's Patrick Kane of course mm-hmm. um, and uh, it comes in it just feels like a sure thing that he's going to score I mean we've seen him do this uh, a million times and um, Morazic obviously has some familiarity with him but the, uh, even that really doesn't help too much he yeah. just picks the corner uh, makes it look so easy and then uh, obviously the uh, there's a bit of shock in the building. Uh, people have said initially, but then realizing themselves that it's Kane um, turned into a lot of cheers, and uh, a lot of the crowd stuck around to give him a, a fourth ovation after yeah. that. So definitely kind of a one of a kind thing at all. I can't imagine that's ever happened before at the United Center. Oh, uh, yeah. So cool. Ben Pope, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 from the Chicago Sun Times. Uh, I guess one of your most recent articles, uh, Ben, with uh, a former Oiler, Andreas Athanasiu, uh, injured uh, for a good part of the season, but close to coming back. Give us the genesis of your article and uh, where the double A uh, stands when returning to the lineup. Well, it's been a really long stretch for him. He hasn't played since uh, November 9th, which is 47 games missed and counting. And uh, he just kind of fell awkwardly in Tampa that night. It didn't seem like uh, anything major, but he tweaked something in his groin and obviously he has a history uh, of issues with that. And uh, he was supposed to resume skating about a month later, but then uh, wasn't progressing and ended up seeing a doctor who had helped him when he was with the Kings a few years back and, did an MRI and found out the true extent of the issue. So, yeah, it's been almost four months now, um, which has obviously been really frustrating for him. He was talking about how he couldn't really do much other than just kind of sit on his couch and, and dwell on it mentally and uh, had some, some tough times, some bad thoughts with that uh, just because he wasn't able to skate and 
obviously his whole game, his whole life really is kind of predicated on skating. So he really opened up about the, the psychological toll of it. But um, he was able to resume skating finally uh, in February 10th, I believe, and um, is now back to full practices with the team. He had a second practice yesterday out of the non-contact jersey. And he doesn't have an f- official date yet picked out for his return, but it seems like within the next week mm-hmm. or two, Hopefully he'll be able to get back to action and then have maybe six weeks before the end of the season to try to get a little bit of rhythm back and, and go into the off season on the high. Obviously a tough year for him, but he is under contract for next season. So he does kind of have a ready-made opportunity to, to bounce back from this. How tough was it uh, for him mentally, Ben? Because I guess, you know, we focus on the physical part of it a lot, but sometimes we forget about the mental uh, aspect of it as well. Yeah, I mean that's what he was what he was saying. Um, it just kind of go to the rink and work out and then try to you know improve and rehab, but that's only for you know a couple hours. And then you go home and you just kind of sit around and just think about uh, how unfortunate it is and how unlucky it is and uh, how much it, it hurts all the time, always aching, always nagging, kind of impossible to ignore. And uh, that was really weighing on him for several months there, uh, especially as a team has been losing and has had a ton of other injury issues knowing that uh, he'd love to be helping, but he couldn't. And uh, I think the uncertainty of the timeline too, like uh, most injuries such as Bedard's, I mean, you get an exact timeline and you know, once you wait those four weeks, those six weeks, whatever it is, you'll be back in action. And for him not really knowing how long it would take, I think was an added uh, source of, of anxiety. Ben Pope, Chicago Sun-Times uh, writer, our guest on Sports 1440. Let's talk about this Blackhawks defense, uh, uh, Ben. I, I don't think I can ever recall um, four players on entry-level contracts starting on defense. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if uh, there's ever a stat been done on this, but to have four out of the six basically playing right now, it's truly remarkable. Uh, your thoughts on how the Blackhawks roll out these young guys on ELCs, drafted and developed, uh, and they do it every every night. Uh, just what do you think about how remarkable that is? Well, and the, the funny thing is, Wyatt Kaiser, who was who's a rookie, um, was initially in the lineup the first few months, and they determined he wasn't quite ready yet for this level. So he's down in the AHL now. So there have been five guys, obviously the others being Korchinski, Vlasic, Crevier and Phillips, uh, five guys in entry-level contracts who have played significantly on this defense. And, um, and then of the two veterans, really, uh, right now, um, it was going to be Seth Jones and Connor Murphy, but Murphy's been out more than a month with injury. So it's Jacob Megna, who they only picked up off on waivers at the start of January from Seattle. So uh, they have really pieced this defense together. And I think they knew going in with the inexperience that it was going to be a learning curve for a lot of them and they would be making mistakes and having to learn from those. And it would be kind of a trial by fire for a lot of these young guys, especially Korchinski and Vlasic, who were their two top defensive prospects and guys that they think can be top four guys for a very long time for this franchise. But I mean, we've seen them improve quite a bit. Uh, it's certainly, you know, not one of the better defenses in the league, but um, since the new year, really kind of since Bedard's injury initially, uh, they have been better defensively, and, and Mrazek has been a big part of that too, but uh, they've been allowing fewer chances, fewer goals, and while the, the bar is pretty low, I mean, they were arguably the worst 
worst defense in the league um, up until the new year. Um, we have seen some improvement, which is kind of what you would hope to see from, from such a young group. And Vlasic in particular has been uh, really stellar this year, one of the biggest bright spots of the team. And uh, he's, uh, he's six six. He has long reach. He breaks up a lot of plays. We've also seen him make some, some really good plays in possession, some great stretch passes. And he looks like a guy who potentially could be a top pairing guy for a really long time. So that's a, a big thing to be excited about here. Yeah, you know, Alex Vlasic has just been remarkable this year. We, we've had Troy Murray on several times, uh, and he kind of got us onto him at the very start of the season. He said, keep an eye on this guy. He's just been uh, – he's a big body. Every time he's played here, he's he's had to play against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but he has been really uh, having, a, having a great, great season. Uh, so he's just one of those pieces of the puzzle there. As far as uh, how busy you think that uh, GM Kyle Davidson will be at the deadline – what are your thoughts on the prospects of moving a couple players out like uh, a Colin Blackwell or, or a Jared Tenorti? Your, your thoughts on that, Ben? I mean, yeah, they're expected to be a lot quieter than they have been the past few years, and that's partly because they've been really, really busy the past two years at the deadline, making a lot of moves, obviously, for to accelerate this rebuild. But um this year probably be a lot quieter, but we still could see you know one or two trades go down. Uh, you mentioned Blackwell. Uh, I think Tyler Johnson might be able to get a little bit of interest. Obviously, these aren't going to be sought after targets, but uh, if a contender wants to add some grit, some experience, Johnson obviously brings the two cups with the Lightning, and uh, Blackwell has, has been pretty solid. He's really kind of an energizer bunny out there. He can kill penalties, deliver hits, that sort of thing, and he's had a few goals lately as well. So. If a contender wants to give up, you know, a third, fourth, fifth round pick, I think there would be a discussion there. Um, it's not like it's going to cost a lot to to get those guys. And then I think the other thing that the Davidson will look at is the opportunity to to maybe help out a team with a cap crunch. And uh, the Blackhawks have the most salary cap space in the league. They can yeah. basically add unlimited salary the rest of the year. And he's not going to want to make any long-term commitments, So uh, not past 2026 for sure, and ideally not past 2025. Um, so some of the worst contracts out there might not be, um, he might not be willing to take on. But uh, in terms of a short-term salary dump or even just being a facilitator, taking on 25% in a, as a third-party team in a bigger trade, I think he would be open to that as well. That's really the biggest asset the Blackhawks have right now is that gap space. Uh, ben, how tough was it to have Connor Bedard out, not just on the ice, but you know, you're know, you trying to build and you're trying to uh, move forward and you're, you want to keep... Uh, you know that snowball moving as far as you know where where the franchise is. Everyone knows it's a rebuild, but to to have him out, you know, you saw all the buzz at the start of the year, and then maybe there wasn't as much Blackhawk buzz, if you want to call it that, when he was gone. Uh, what's that kind of been like for you? Well, yeah, that's uh, close to six week stretch. Uh, I mean, that was it was pretty bleak. Uh, this team doesn't have a lot of talent, particularly offensively, other than him and. Uh, just kind of a slog of every single night, zero goals or one goal or every once in a while, two goals. I mean, it was very, very tough for them to produce offense. And uh, it just felt like every game kind of didn't really matter. And uh, there wasn't much success to to hang your hat on. And obviously a really tough stretch for everybody. Um, just waiting for him to come back and just kind of going through the motions every game, knowing that they didn't really have much of a chance. And Obviously, even with him back, they're still going to lose most of the games, uh, but uh, there's still a lot more to be interested in just every time he touches the puck, every shift. 
Um, it's, it's interesting, and you could see him make a move that he hasn't done before or, you know, figure something out in terms of his development. It feels like it matters a little bit more every time he's on the ice. And uh, we've seen that, I mean, even a game last week against Philadelphia, he had a one-on-one rush against Nick Sealer, and he didn't end up scoring. Sealer defended that pretty well, but Bedard tried this kind of offensive stick lift where he whacked Sealer's stick even while he had the puck, and that was a first for him, something I hadn't seen too much before, and interesting to just even pick up little things like that as he gains confidence. So it really does make such a difference having Bedard uh, in the lineup just in terms of making everything more interesting, not only just his, his production in terms of goals yeah. and assists. <laughs> way, way more eyeballs on the games, too. Uh, hey, Ben, thanks for doing this. I appreciate your time, uh, and uh, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Thanks for this. Yep, thanks for having me. That's Ben Pope, Chicago Sun-Times, and our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter, the number one overall pick in your fantasy plumbing pool. That's mrreuter.ca. Number one fantasy, Duke. Number one. Number one. It's like the, the I always, when I see the number one, or I always think of the the Seinfeld episode with... Number one dad? Num, well, world's greatest dad. World's greatest that dad. That makes is, me better than number one. Yeah. You know. Mandelbombs. Mandelbombs. Then Mandelbombs. Lift, Jerry, Jerry lifting up the <laughs> picks TVs. Picks up the TV. Yeah. It's like, I didn't know it was screwed down. <laughs> then he just picks up the Why whole... Why didn't you tell me? The table and everything and walks it over three feet. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? Uh, when we come back... Harnarine Singh from Hockey Night in Canada. He'll be calling tonight's Oilers-Blues game with Louis DeBrusque. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models and 0% also available on Ram 1500s. That's only at stalbertdodge.com as we welcome in... Harner Ryan Singh from Hockey Night in Canada to the program. Good morning, Harner Ryan, and uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, we just had uh, Terry Evans from next door at K97, and uh, just a quick off-the-topic uh, question for you. He said his son is a drummer for A.P. Dillon, and that's a Punjabi uh, band that's playing in Dubai tonight. Do you know anything oh, about wow. Do you know anything about yeah. A.P.? Yeah. Yes, he's a Canadian singer, uh, rapper. Um, he's done really well for himself. He's you know selling out arenas. Um, uh, it's a pretty incredible story. A young guy, um, but uh, yeah, like made a name for himself world worldwide. And a lot of it even began like over the pandemic through social media and stuff too. But mm. he's he's a big big name now. Yeah, and like Terry Evans, he's a big, big name around here. He's been, you yeah. know, who Terry is obviously uh, listening yeah. to Terry over the years. So yeah, his he just came in literally, uh, Harner Ryan, about uh, I don't know, like ten seconds before we went on air and said, "Yeah, my my uh, my son's playing the drums for him." So pretty cool, pretty cool there. That is. Wow, what a what a neat little story that is. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, thanks for uh, kind of adjusting your schedule a little bit tonight because uh, you shot me off a text. I was fast asleep uh, uh, when you shot me off that text last night, but <laughs> uh, saying we could could we move it up because uh, the Oilers moving uh, with the game uh, at six thirty tonight. The morning skates a little earlier. Everything's a little earlier for you, but. Uh, just a, a comment tonight. I mean, the Blues and doing a, a Wednesday night game with Louis DeBrusque, uh, you know, coast to coast. Uh, you got to be pretty fired up about this one uh, at Rogers tonight. 
Yeah, and there's only two uh, NHL games on the schedule tonight and only one Canadian team. So, uh, I mean, there'll be um, a lot of intrigue. And the Blues are in the hunt, right? <laughs> they are, they're trying to figure out their season. They're in that very precarious situation with the trade deadline coming up if, if they're going to make some moves or if they're going to keep some players or not. And they've got a, a, a number of players signed to long contracts as well. But some youngsters in there. And, and if you remember the last time these two teams met, it was the St. Louis Blues uh, with a 6-3 to three victory in a, in a situation where they took advantage of eight power plays. Um, so the Oilers will be looking to avoid that. And former Edmonton Oil Kings forward uh, Jake Neighbors will most likely be. And he had a goal and two assists uh, last time around against the Oilers too. So it should be a, should be a good matchup. And I think the Oilers will be... Um, you know, prepared for this, given what happened last time against the Blues. Mm-hmm. Arne Ryan Singh, our guest on uh, Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. You know, since that one goal, two assist performance by Neighbors, he's gone relatively quiet uh, for the Blues. He's having an incredible year, as you know, uh, Arne Ryan. Uh, when you work with Louis, and he's kind of your main guy that you work with, I guess, on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, whether it be on a, a Saturday night for the late game or, you know, a Wednesday night game like tonight. How much does Louie make you feel comfortable when you're doing those broadcasts? Oh, my. You know what? Uh, I'm very, very fortunate, very lucky to have been working with Louie for, um, you know, for the majority of my games in the past four years being on the English side. He is just... He's a he's a natural talker, and the thing is, uh, you know, him he talks the game on the air just like he talks the game off the air with any random fan, hockey fan that he meets on the street, or you know, if him and I are chatting on the phone, or you know, just uh, before the game or the day before anything, like it's the it's the exact same how he is off the air and on the air, which mm-hmm. makes it seamless, right? And. It's it's just uh, he knows the game really well. He's so well spoken, um, and his delivery is fantastic. And so he makes for it to be a very seamless, smooth process, and it's a lot of fun. So I've been very fortunate. Uh, yeah, I always love what he calls. He was a hey singer or whatever. Is, yeah. he, is he one of the first guys to call you that on the air kind of thing? Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, it's neat. Of course, there's a lot of hockey names and like on social media, I've gone as ice thing. And so, uh, but he, I've got a musical background too. We're talking to AP, yeah. AP, uh, D- uh, Dylan, I, um, play the uh there's an east indian percussion instrument called the tabla so it's a their drums and i play a harmonium which is a hand pumped organ so i've got a a music side where i'm a vocalist on that too and sometimes it comes through in some of my calls i save it for kind of overtime (laughs) winners or if you know a player has a name like nick benino and uh, and and you can kind of make that last syllable long as uh, last as long as the goal horn in the arena. Um, I kind of have fun with that too. So the music side kind of bleeds in that way. How how often, um, Harner Ryan, do you know fans or people come up to you and say, uh, "Can you do the Benino call" or things like that? You know what? It's uh, pretty incredible. I um, it's one of those moments where. 
it's something that I'm very blessed to say that it's lived with me forever. And, and it's pretty cool because of the sense that it, it it wasn't just Pittsburgh Penguins fans. It was appreciated by hockey fans all over. And, you know, I ended up being in Pittsburgh in front of 400,000 people at that Stanley Cup championship parade in 2016 when uh, Nick Benino was a part of that line with Carl Haglin and Phil Kessel, the HBK line. And they were a big driver for the Penguins as a part of that. Stanley Cup run and um, you know we're we're an oil country here and you know I was born in Wetaskiwin and mm-hmm. you know my allegiance was with the with the Gretzky uh, era but um, I'm talking Mario Lemieux coming up and giving me a hug and saying that you know you're a part of Penguins history I'm talking <laughs> about Mike Sullivan the coach of the Penguins with his big booming voice saying shaking my hand and saying hey we used your goal calls as a part of our video sessions to amp up the Penguins players before the games and I'm just like they, the Penguins rolled out the red carpet and it was like they they introduced Crosby, Mark Andre Fleury, like they introduced the players and then it was like us up there with the Stanley Cup with the, so it was it was such a an incredible experience. I would say like the closest a broadcaster might be able to get to be a part of a, a team's run and and that was a year if you remember 2016 no Canadian teams had made the playoffs and so everybody was like oh my goodness what's <laughs> going to happen and for us as a show on Hockey Night in Canada in Punjabi that was a blessing in disguise. Oh man uh, Harner Einsing our guest on the Kevin Carey show on Sports uh, 1440 did you ever think like when you started I guess it's been about 15 years since you started to do the games in Punjabi uh, with the NHL broadcast that it would get to this stage now where you're you know you're um, every Saturday night the second game of the double header and how how happy blessed and uh, lucky you are do you how, how often do you think about that yeah, you know what? Uh, what a what a roller coaster journey! This was the dream from the get go. Like it, when I was even four years old, my family tells me I I used to say I want to be on Hockey Night in Canada, right? And and the crazy thing is, even back those days, I was growing up in Brooks, Alberta, and you know what Ron McLean was hosting, and and he is still now, and to call him a colleague, and um, you know I've I've been very lucky to have people help me out like Ron McLean, like Kelly Rudy has been um, amazing for me as well. And, um, you know, I, I am so beyond thrilled, blessed, lucky. I, it, this was such a dream come true for me, but the, but the obstacles were that, you know, being from a small town, being diverse and, you know, it wasn't that long ago, uh, Kevin, where people like myself weren't ever being considered to be hired um, for you know media positions on the air and so I had to tackle that where you know I, I met executives who said we're not sure if our Canadian audience is ready for someone like you or I met people who would tell me even though I went to broadcast school and learned the ropes of radio and TV people would say in the industry that maybe you should think about producing or something behind the scenes it was a cautionary tale of are you sure you're even going to be hired or not right and so um, finally we're at a place where you know people who are um, from uh, different backgrounds are getting opportunities women are getting opportunities it's all about the growth of the game and I saw that from a very grassroots level on, on Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi that was my kind of foot in the door um, and we 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 the show continues to grow the game um, at a very grassroots level and bring more people um, not only to the arena but more kids playing it and 
we're seeing like you know the the Canucks forward Archie Baines who who's just played his uh, first few NHL games um Jajar Kara who's former Oiler like these players talked about them and their families walk, watching hockey night in Canada Punjabi Saturday nights and it became a tradition and so just the way it all happened and you know, I paid for my own flights for a few years, and and it just there's a an, an incredible amount of adversity. But now to be here, to be able to tell my parents who are, um, you know, retired teachers and very, uh, you know, they just had normal uh, jobs and careers where you know you you did something and just came home and that's it. I I'm finally able to prove to them and to say to them that hey, it, w- it was all well worth it and it came to fruition. So super. Lucky. Yeah, Harner, and they must be so proud. And, uh, you know, what was it that, how did, I guess it's, you know, values that you would have got from them that helped you um, get through and struggle past and get through and uh, realize those dreams and uh, to, to, to continue on to, you know, break down a barrier, if you want to call it like that, uh, that probably came from your parents. But what else, what else got you through that to get to where you are, I guess, right now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, a lot of even going back um, history of my of the Sikh faith, the community of the challenges and obstacles that people you know, so many years ago faced. And, you know, if I, I experienced, Kevin, like blunt racism, the most I've experienced has been at hockey arenas in my life. And yeah. so, you know, the question is, the question arises and how did you decide to stick with it? And it's because I love the game so much, right? And, and so... Um, and, and, you know, every single kind of accomplishment that there has been, there have been um, those types of challenges that arise. Like, you know, my from even the transition from Hockey Night Punjabi to the English side, there was there's a lot to deal with on social media and it's like it's it's uh heartbreaking that you know there's some some fellow canadians out there who even think that way mm-hmm. right and so yeah. those are those are still challenges that exist and um you know i think um even even when it came to paying for my flights and things like the support from my parents but also learning about sacrifice in my in my community that you know people in the past had given up their lives just to stand up for who they are and and all all of those sorts of things prayer meditation i i had to incorporate it all and and still do to this day to be able to get through challenges and obstacles but a lot of it also was my parents because they came to alberta in the 1960s and people um you know here hadn't even seen a turban let alone yeah. hadn't even heard of a turban let alone seeing one you know what i mean and so they had they went through a ton of challenges um that you, they brushed under the carpet because they didn't want to make a scene or you know um didn't want to cause a problem even though they were going through a lot and so when i look at their journey um you know the, i just feel that the challenges i've faced are are nothing in comparison and so that's what makes makes getting through these obstacles um, easier that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it, it's, it's in your book, Karna Ryan, One Game at a Time. It's been out for a little while now, and, and I guess you wanted to kind of, I guess, express yourself, you know, pen to paper. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, the publishers uh, approached me for a book, and, and uh, I was surprised because I was when you when you're when you're from a racialized community and when you've been told so many times in your life that oh the chances of this happening are low i i actually thought the same 
about the book, but when I realized they were on the same wavelength of wanting to tell a sports story that was diverse, I, um, I, I went for it and I'm very fortunate that it became a, a bestseller, but there's, there's a ton of, for our audience here today, I mean, there's a whole chapter called Wayne's World, a lot of, uh, a lot of Oilers and Gretzky related stories and, uh, um, a lot of, you know, I was, I was, I try to be, my nature is normally, I'm, I'm pretty happy go lucky guy. And I, I hope to stay that way forever. But even though the book talks about a lot of challenges, it's a, it's a very fun and positive, um, a book as well. Cause along the journey, there's been a lot of, um, you know, fun stuff that has happened. And just also the creation of hockey night Punjabi, how that all happened to, to where it is today. There's just, even within the broadcast scene, um, there's all of those sort of uh, interesting tidbits in there and um, being a dual language mm-hmm. broadcaster too. Um, so there's, there's a lot um, to tell, right. A lot of stories. And so, um, you know, I, I've had the good fortune of meeting Gretzky, uh, when I was a fan, um, and uh, many times, and we would, you know, even though my parents are, were teachers, they would let us get, skip school from Brooks, and we'd find ourselves uh, all over the place in Alberta trying to trying to track him down. And some of the cool moments that we've had with him, and then meeting him as a broadcaster after several times, and all that kind of stuff is in there. So, uh, yeah, it was it was great to be able to put put all of that together and. Um, in a space where it's available and to be able to get into the details of all of it. And now, uh, Harner Ryan, you, you're passing those, I guess, values and things off to your your, your kids. I mean, you know, I see them at the Good Deeds Cup doing things like that. So just uh, can you speak on the importance of, I guess, uh, you know, sending it down uh, another generation here? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm really passionate about uh, trying to make my kids um, not only appreciate their heritage but be proud Canadians at the same time right and and so for me that's what it's what it's about and um, they're super into hockey they love hockey and they're huge fans and you know they play and um, but also just to be able to teach them values about giving back to uh, your community and giving back to it's called save I would call it selfless service in our community where it's like you serve your community but without expecting anything in return and you know we if you're blessed with a lot you want to be able to um pay that back to those who are less fortunate Mm -hmm. and and that's something we really try to uh, hone in on and teach them about um but yeah to keep it fun and um you know very blessed to have uh two kids who are um in good health and they're a lot of fun at their age right now and and things and so and and you know they're into it in terms of hockey too which is which is great like they love uh they love watching and playing the sport and and you know collecting hockey cards mm-hmm. and i see so much of what who i was as a child um you know kind of just automatically coming through with them even on the music side too so it's it's really rewarding and really special um but i also you know, for them, they're not going to have anybody come and tell them that they can't be a part of the hockey world because of how they look, because we've, we're finally past that. And so I, I, I want to see them dream, right? Yeah. Because it's like, be proud of who you are, but you can still achieve anything in this country, no matter who you are. And, and that's kind of the message. And um, let's see, let's see what they do in their lives. 
couple quick ones for you, Harner Ryan. Uh, one from a texture here from Jordan. Can you ask him which play-by-play guy he admires most? Tough one. Yeah, you know, that's um, growing up, it was for me growing up in Alberta and watching a lot of playoff hockey. I mean, Bob Cole was the voice in Canada for so many of those big moments too. And I loved how he played up the drama of a situation and he was just, he's, he's legendary, right? Those pipes, uh, his voice is mm-hmm. just iconic in Canada. Um, in the States, I loved Gary Thorne. Um, he's a, he's a play by play guy who, um, the reason why some Canadians may know him is because he was the voice of some of the NHL video games in the late nineties, I guess you could say. And so, um, I really liked, and Gary Thorne, sometimes, um, some of the playoff moments in the States, um, back in the day, he was calling those big moments as well. So, uh, those are ones that uh, uh, stand out or come kind of first to, first top of mind. And one last one, uh, Zinger. Have you ever uh, kind of got caught where you're doing a game and you're thinking something's happening and you're doing an English game, obviously, but all of a sudden maybe some, some Punjabi might creep into your mind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... That is the challenge of being a fully dual uh, language broadcaster <laughs> because I I read, speak, and write in the language of Punjabi and then the same in English. And so uh, your brain can play games on you. And so that is that is always a, a challenge and it's vice versa. Like yeah. even when I, you know, uh, my first season on the English side, I was calling games in both languages. And so then it was like, it was happening even on the Punjabi side too. And I mean, but that's, it's, it's funny when you're when you're a multi-language person that can happen to you even in mid-conversation too so it's only natural that it uh, happens and those words and come to mind when i'm calling a game it well, is funny but it's one of those things that's it's it, just part and parcel yeah uh, hey you know we went way longer than we normally do here iron ryan but really enjoyed it, it was a great conversation appreciate it uh, we'll see you down on the rink have a great call tonight uh, thanks for doing this yeah, thanks for having me, and we'll see you there. You betcha. That's uh, Harner Ryan Singh from Hockey Night in Canada, and our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge, see how easy it is to do business with the great people there. Uh, top of the hour, we'll have David Schlemko, our co-host for Cougar Paint and Collision, plus Chris Digman. Early riser, he's already here. He beat Schlemmer to the studio. Uh, that's coming up uh, right after the break. Uh, and a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. And uh, if you go in there today, you can get a $30 haircut when you mention Sports 1440. That's all you have to do, only at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.